Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. A completely wretched game by the Edmonton Oilers. They are humiliated 8-3 by the St. Louis Blues. It was 2-0 for St. Louis, seven and a half minutes into the game, and you pretty much knew it was already over. Cam Talbot pulled after giving up two goals on three shots. Laurent Brassois went the rest of the way. He stopped 31 of 37. The Oilers got three goals in the third period, including two in the last five minutes. Garbage time markers that really had no impact on this result. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. It's 9 o'clock. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre along with Rob Brown. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. The Oilers have one win in their last six games. Two of the losses in the last six have been to the St. Louis Blues. They have been basically dominated by the Blues, Rob, in five of the six periods they've played against them. They have. They have not been good, and it, it, it is... So many times this year I've talked about the fact that I think parity in the league, there's not the, the haves and the have-nots in this league. I don't think there's a big difference between the top teams and the bottom teams. But the last two games that St. Louis has played against the Oilers, it's looked like a team that is one of the elite in St. Louis, and it's looked like a team at or near the bottom of the standings in the Edmonton Oilers. The Blues have been better in every facet of the game. And tonight's eight goals, I, I think that the Oilers may have got off lucky. I think the, the, the St. Louis Blues easily could have had another four or five goals. And, and when Brassois first came in, he made a number of big saves. They missed some golden opportunities. They passed up some chances at times. And then of the eight goals, I mean, there was about five or six that were beautiful, pretty goals. You don't score pretty goals in the NHL anymore. There's just, I mean, if you do, it's one, one a game. And they just... It was men against boys out there tonight, and, and it shouldn't be. They are, the St. Louis Blues are a good hockey club, but there's no way that they should be dominating the Oilers like they are. And as Bob just said on air, I hope this is rock bottom for the Edmonton Oilers because it, 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 they played as though it was. 8-3, the final damage. So, Rob, they play Detroit tomorrow. It's going to be on 6.30, Chad, 3.30 face-off show, game at 5. I, I think the Oilers' problems are, are pretty apparent. And today, tonight it was everything, and, and it has been too often lately. So I guess the big question is, I mean, where do they, where do they go from here? Where, where, what do you try to work on tomorrow, next few games? I mean, it, pretty much everything has to, you know, the roster's not going to change, and we'll talk about that, but mm-hmm. I mean, what do you change in terms of the, the game-to-game 
performance or details of the team? I mean, what happens next? Well, I think what should happen first of all is we should talk about third and four because that was way easier talking about that than it is talking <laughs> about what to fix on the oil. Uh, the, to me, the, the biggest thing, and I'm sure that Todd McClellan's going to talk about it, is the compete level. He, he, he said it. We just watched a little bit of his blurb on TV here as we were waiting for Bob to finish. He talked about that the Oilers were second best at everything tonight. Every battle, every race, uh, they on, on the back checks, on the four checks, in the neutral zone, the turnover. They were second best. Everything they did in the game tonight, their compete wasn't there, their battle wasn't there. Uh, the one thing that we've talked a lot about with, with the Oilers, when they play with desperation in their game, they've got a good hockey club. And there's a great example late in the in the third period when Larson has the puck in his own zone. Just too casual in his play. In comes, I think it was Schwartz that comes in, takes the puck off his stick, skates out in front, give it to Shen, and, and the puck's in the net or something along that line. Just casual. You, the Oilers can't play casual. There's only two teams in the National Hockey League worse than I think there might only, yeah, is there one or two? Might be one team now. It might be just be Arizona, but there's, when you you can't be casual when you are at the bottom of the standings, you have to play with desperation every shift, not just here and there or every once in a while. Every shift you've got to play with desperation because your record shows that you're not good enough to play casual. You're not good enough to go out there with a a half-baked effort and win hockey games. So the others, to, for for me, when they go into Detroit tomorrow, it has got to be. A, an incredibly desperate, incredibly hungry, and a team ready to compete for every single puck from the opening faceoff. Well, and and that's the thing about the casual play. And, and I mean, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. No, obviously, oh, no, of course uh, But not. I mean, something has set in where like bad things happen to every team mm-hmm. every every season. Yep. And it's it's often how you react to it that determines how your season's going to go. And yes, some teams have more talent than others for sure, but. But it seems to me here, as the as the losses have mounted for the Oilers and, and bad things happen, instead of, like you said, getting desperate or working a little harder or working a little smarter, because I think in some games they've worked hard, but they've yep. channeled their energy in the wrong things, yep. they, they've become very rattled. They've become very tentative. They've been running around a little bit. And, and, and at some points, quite frankly... Tonight being the worst example, they have looked lost. Yes. Like, they have looked like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe this is happening, and I don't know how to fix it. That's what that's what they've looked like at times. They look like they're a team that is playing at one speed, and the other team is playing at a different. I know that when you, when you come back from an injury, and I've, I've, I've done that, when you first come back from an injury, and you're out on the ice, whether it be practice or game, everything just seems so much faster. You get the puck and someone's on you. You go to make a pass and there's already someone in the lane or the guy's too far ahead of you or everything just seems to be swimming around you. Your man that's supposed to be here defensively, you've lost him, he's over there. That's what the Oilers look like. They, they, they look like they, that they've all missed a month of the game and they all come back at the same time and the St. Louis Blues right now are playing at mid-season form and the Edmonton Oilers are playing at training camp form. And, and the, the miscommunications and, and the misplays in, at the blue lines and getting turned inside out uh, inside your own zone. The St. Louis Blues, I guarantee you, in the last three games, four games, five games combined, they didn't have as many grade-A scoring chances they had tonight. 
And just the Oilers, just as you said, looked absolutely lost at times in this game. An 8-3 route in favor of the St. Louis Blues. We will get to your phone calls right away. We have a full board of fans wanting to get on. But let's go back to St. Louis. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Against this type of team, once it's a difficult start, it's just kind of hard to, to catch up to them and to catch up to the game. No, you know what? That game's indefensible on my behalf. I can't stand here and... and uh, and uh, buy into that or anything else we uh, uh, in every facet of the game we were second it wasn't even close and uh, you know very very concerned obviously at the way some individuals played tonight many of them and it's indefensible on my behalf and uh, we're responsible for having the team ready and obviously they weren't Obviously, once I gotta have that second shot back. Once again, I put the team in hole. Yeah, but he didn't put a six deep, and that's what we ended up at the end of the night. So, um, has to be better um, to start with, but the group has to be better around him as well. How tough, how tough was that third period, though, the way St. Louis came out in that? Well, it was tough all night. Uh, it wasn't just the third period. They uh, let's not kid ourselves. They were. Uh, they were quicker to the puck. They executed better. They uh, they had us standing around and watching. Um, you know, we could have played a 25-minute game and they still would have won. So it had nothing to do with the third. You couldn't handle that first line again. You just didn't. You didn't well, we we didn't we didn't handle any of their players. Uh, we didn't. Uh, that's about as poor as I've seen our group of D play in my three years here. And we're supposed to be getting better back there. Our, uh, our track and our uh, commitment to coming back didn't help them out at all. And the number of times we turned it over. So we've, we've talked about this numerous times. And until the group buys into it, uh, we'll probably keep taking it on the chin. Thank you. All right, that's a uh, fairly disgusted head coach, Todd McClellan, tonight. Uh, his team losing 8-3 to the St. Louis Blues. I mean, I think he pretty much summed it up. Blues vastly superior in every area. The Oilers didn't handle... I mean, as Rob alluded to, the, the, the Blues' fourth line was scoring cross-crease, tapping goals. Now, Todd's going to wear this too. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we as a coaching staff have to figure out a way to prepare the better the players better. I mean, you, you've been there, Rob, where a team has struggled or been blown out. What would you expect or hope from the coach the, ne- the next day? Well, right now I think he's taken it because he knows that the the players are are going to take the heat and he's trying to take the heat away from them. He's trying you know this is a team right now that's hurting. The a team that is not going anywhere near where they're supposed to be going. And he's like okay, I'm going to I'm going to take this all in on me. I'm going to protect my players from this right now. We're going to go and and talk to the players and in the morning we're going to have meetings and if it's me I I want line meetings. I'm going to call in each line. Okay, here's here's what we see out of you guys. Here's what you're not doing. Here's what, And just individually bring the lines in, or I guess not individually, but bring them in in lines. Bring in defensive pairings. What is going on? What's wrong? What do you guys see? And try to build them up. I mean, there's no, re- no, no use kicking them. I, I don't think any player that leaves the rink today realize, or real, thinks that they're thinks playing. Thinks he played a good game. Yeah, so yeah. they all know what's, what's going wrong. So I think you try to build them up and get them back to doing what they can do. I, I think the capabilities are there. I, I don't think that this is a team that is built to be a, a bottom feeder. They are better than what they're doing, but they've got to get to doing the right things. And I think they, as he, they've got away from details. Uh, and a, a bunch of the, the damage today was inflicted on themselves by turning the puck over at the offensive zone. 
misreading coming back into your own zone, misreading defensemen misreading who they're meant. Like these are things that are simple plays. So I think this is a, a time for the coaching staff to take them aside, try to build a little bit of confidence, and hopefully come out tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, it simply should be about compete. That's that is the whole focus. Let us outwork the opposition and let the the, the dominoes fall where they may. But let's finally go out and outwork a team. Yeah, and just we're going to get to the open line here. We got a full board. I I just want to tell guys calling in tonight. And Rob and I talked about late in the third period. I mean, this game is is a disaster. We're not going to talk about call-ups from the farm, and we're not going to talk about trades because uh, a guy who's 30th on your depth chart coming up from Bakersfield is not going to make a huge difference. And if there is a trade, it's going to be of the Jokinen for Camilleri variety. So we'll try to focus on how this group played and what they can do about it. We got Elvis on line one. Hey, Elvis. Hey guys, I I've been on hold for like 31 minutes now. And I just wanted to make a quick observation here. I listen to you guys all the time, and I love your show, Reed. I'm, I'm I always call in. Coach waved the surrender flag tonight. Kate Nicholson Shirelli helped this team. Ice district, ice district is melting, and it's it's, it's brutal. And I I don't know what they do, what happens. The line combinations did not look good tonight. I don't know why we don't put Dreisaitl, uh by himself as a center. I don't know why he's playing with another center. It didn't work when he was playing with McDavid. We need help, and time is running out. We're on the ticker. Thanks, Elvis. I mean, you can do just about anything, and it's going to be better than it was tonight. I mean, Dreisaitl can play on the wing. We saw what he did last year playing with McDavid. Can you give him his own line? Yeah, I mean, that's another option. I, uh, right now, the way things are going, you could the coaching staff could throw ping pong balls in the thing, whatever ping pong balls are together. That's your line for the next night. Well, there's no line that has consistently nope. played well. No, nope, none. Like, there's not a single group of three players you can say, "Oh, they've they've been deadly." I'm not sure there's, there's a single pairing. There have been short bursts, maybe, but I'm not sure there's been a pairing this year that has been good all season long with any consistency. No, that's true. So, yeah, I agree. You, you can do whatever you want tomorrow in the game lineup, and I don't think anyone can can whine or bitch and say that that's not what it should be. All right, we got Dave on line two. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. Good day. Hey. Hello. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Hey, sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I was going to go on a bit of a rant. Even Bob couldn't stand to watch the end of the game because he kept saying it was 8-2 to two final, but I, I guess he turned it up. He stopped watching. <laughs> well, it was, uh, yeah. There was a bunch yeah, of goals that didn't matter too much in the last five minutes. This is true. The, the Oilers right now are the movie equivalent of Groundhog Day. They're, they're like the hockey version of Groundhog Day. Every, every time the alarm clock goes off, Talbot gets up and steps in the puddle. In, in his case, it's, he allows a terrible goal in the first period. And I, so this is my rant about Calvin, but it, obviously there is uh, lots of blame to go around, but, you know, he allowed that goal against Zabota, which is horrendous. We're selling the next game, and Yaskin, I, I'm not sure who Yaskin is really, but if you watch the replay on tonight's crappy goal, he's down, um, as soon as Hawk kind of goes cycles behind the net, he goes down, one paddle down, and he becomes really small in the goal. And if you look, he showed a replay from high above the behind the goal. And there's the top third of the net is is open. So it's uh, Rob can speak to this uh, about what it does to a team when it when a sheet 
We're going to put you on hold, Dave, because we got a bit of a, a scrambly connection there, but we got we got the gist of your comment and your question for sure. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it is demoralizing for a team that is struggling, a team that's str- uh, not creating offensively, that you, you get a great chance at the beginning of the game, you don't score, they come back, score right away. Well, you say, all right, we're still in, we'll get the next one, and then a bad goal goes in. And they are deflating. They're deflating for a team. Now, a team should be stronger than that. And good teams are stronger than a bad goal. And they can recover from a bad goal. The Oilers right now are not a good team. So a bad goal hurts them more. And we saw Cam Talbot put this team on his back most of last year. We have not seen that Cam Talbot for most of this year. And the Oilers are not a good enough team to have average to good goaltending. And we've seen that. They, they went on a road trip where Talbot was, was great, and they still, I mean, they're only scoring two goals a game. So this other team, from top to bottom, I don't know if there's anybody that can escape criticism on the way this season has gone, and Talbot is one of those players. Do you think there's something to his comment about Talbot being down against that post and making himself smaller than the net? Because I know somebody, I can't remember who it was, brought that up to me earlier, that he was really going down when the puck was below the icing line and going up the boards. And then, you know, it's a split, takes a split second more to get up and move, or someone could rip it over your shoulder. Because that puck shouldn't go in from there. No, it? you're right, it shouldn't. Um, I'd, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I can't critique goaltending very, very well because I don't have the, the necessary tools to do it. I, I'm not a goalie coach. I can tell you when I play against a goaltender, there's some goalies that you can see a lot of net on and there's some goaltenders that you're intimidated by because of they play the angles so well right right now cam talbot is not taking away the eyes of the of the players that are shooting on him he's giving them places to shoot we saw it the other night in dallas guys were trying to beat him in areas where guys don't normally shoot because they can see a little bit of light now that is something that he along with dustin schwartz are going to have to correct but i i for me to go any deeper in that would be it wouldn't be fair because I, I I'm a, I'm an offensive player. I don't have the pedigree of a uh, of a goaltender or a defensive player for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you went back into your own end. Occasionally, uh, the Blues route the Oilers eight three. That does mean a seventy five dollar donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world. They give twenty five dollars for every goal the Oilers score. The total up to one thousand three hundred and twenty five, and you can track it on the Oilers page on six thirty chad dot com. Abbas is on the line. Abbas, thanks a lot for calling. Hi, Reed and Rob. How are you? Doing okay. I got to say, I mean, I was in school today, but I was at Martin Mitzvah. I'm like, how the heck do you lose eight to three? I mean, number one, Connor McDavid is our captain, right? Yep. Captain should should show responsibility for the losses. I mean... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not blaming him totally, but this team was a winning team last year. What happened? Like, how do you go from best team to worst team? I mean, also my other question is: Remember when Dallas Sakins and the other coaches they were in the same scenario? Like now, it's a whole different scenario. You have the coach. But the players can't play. Like, do you think that they can salvage the season this week, or is it too late? I, I'm not giving up on the season. I, I'm not. I, I think this team is better than they've shown, and they can put a run together. Now, 
they're they're starting to make it much more difficult. I to me, I think a lot of it is they have the weight of the expectations weighing them down. I think a ton of players had career years last season, and I think that duplicating that is tough. I think the expectations that they are a Stanley Cup contender so that when you do lose a game or two, you can't say, oh, don't worry, we're going to come back and get it because, you know, the, we're, we're, we're going to do this. I mean, the, the belief is there. Now they're like, oh, you know what, we're, we're, we're failing. When they lost a couple games last year, they weren't failing because no one expected them to do anything. They lose a couple games this year, the whole world's on their back because this is supposed to be a better hockey club. So I really do believe the expectations that were put on this team uh, were probably too high to start with, but I think those expectations are weighing the players down, and that kind of pressure is affecting them. All right, it's 9-18. Blues over the Oilers, 8-3 tonight. The Japanese Village goal light will be turned on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com whenever they score five or more in a game. The Oilers, not the opposition. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. 8 Three, the final damage tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Scott on line five. Hi, Scott. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Uh, I just want to uh, make a few quick points. Uh, number one, Talbot and the guy alluded to it. He's on his knees behind the net, which is fine. Goes to the corner, it's fine. Gets out to a point where it's at the ringette line. He's on his knees. Come on. Don't care what anyone says. He should be standing up, taking don't taking the uh, angles away. Second point: uh, uh, Oscar Clefbaum, Clefbaum uh, defending the two-on-one. What does he do? My son plays uh, midget hockey, mid-tier. He would have defended better than him tonight. He goes to the board, right to the board, and lets an absolute little pass bang. It's in the net. It's absolutely the Achilles heel of this team. I felt sorry for Leon Brassant tonight because there's no way he had no support whatsoever. Now, those are two little things that I'm, I'm talking about that are the Achilles heels of this team. The third I want to talk about is McDavid. Now, this is something that we can talk about. Uh, McDavid last year uh, took uh, Dreisaitl on his back, got him an $8.5 million contract, and... Uh, so in, in terms of development, Leon Dreisaitl as a, as a winger on that line took all the center, all the face-off. What, how in the hell are you supposed to develop uh, Connor McDavid when he's not taking any face-offs? All right, Scott. Well, yeah, Talbot, obviously we've talked about Clefbaum. is having an absolutely rough season. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything quickly on the uh, third comment there, Rob? Well, I mean, the reason that McDavid or Drysdale takes most of the draws, he's much better than McDavid at it. And in a game, I mean, you're going to go with whoever's the best guy to take faceoffs. And Drysdale and McDavid, a lot of the times, they decide on their own who takes the draws. And I've seen McDavid wave off Drysdale. And I've also seen McDavid tell Drysdale to go take the draw. Drysdale's a better faceoff guy. Tonight, an example, they both took, Drysdale took 16. He was 5 for five and 11. He was 31%. And sorry, Drysaddle was 57%, and McDavid was 31%. I mean, Drysaddle is better at faceoff. That's why he takes it. I don't think faceoffs are a huge issue when it comes for to Connor McDavid becoming and evolving as a hockey player. 
Um, it's a part of his game, but if if he becomes a winger, he can be just as effective a, game, a hockey player as, as he is right now. He won the, the MVP and was a scoring champion with Drysaddle taking most of his draws last year. So I don't think face-offs or, or he not taking face-offs has anything to do with way, the way the team is playing right now. All right, 8-3 St. Louis routing the Oilers tonight. Cam Talbot didn't last long in this one. Played seven and a half minutes, gave up two goals on three shots. Here's Talbot. Handcuffed you or? I didn't see the release on the second one. The two guys were tied up out front, and uh, the guy turns and slings it off the wall and put it right over my shoulder and under the bar. But, again, it's one of those ones where you need to, uh, you need to make that. It's from the half wall, and... No excuses at this point. Cam, what's going to have to be the answer to this situation? It hasn't been that good of late. In your mind, what do you think needs to start? Uh, we just need to, we need, first of all, we need to start games better, myself included, obviously giving up the first shot in the last couple of games. I mean, it puts us behind the eight ball right away. And um, just, we have, we feel like we have to dig ourselves out. And that's not the way to feel like you have to play. So um, I feel like we just need to, uh, uh, tighten a few things up, myself included, obviously. Make some big saves early, give the guys confidence in me, and then they can go do their job at the other end. Well, yeah, three games in a row, Talbot has allowed a tough goal against early. The Oilers have lost all three. They're only 1-4-1 and one in their last six. They're 7-12-2 and two on the season, 21 games in. They have a lot of work to do to try to claw back into the playoff race. 780-496-0063. We have Harry on line three. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, I'm not too bad, guys. Uh, Wade, uh, Mr. Wilkins, I want to eat some crow. And my comment, you know, uh, about the Eskimos, I'll address that real quickly. Uh, yeah, they were a better team towards the end. And uh, you can never count out uh, any team when they're on their road. And uh, they were on a good run. They fell a little short. And we'll move on to the next two points. Yes, uh, Oilers have to learn how to play defense. I remember back in the day when Jacques Demers took young Steve Eiserman under his wing and said, Steve, I know you're the scoring champion in the OHL, but here you have to play two-way hockey. And first of all, it starts in your own end. Protect your own end. When you have the opportunity, you go on offense. But first, as a leader, and he was the youngest captain that was awarded that position, but he learned how to play defense. And for many, many years, they were called the Deadlings. But they evaluated by learning how to play defense and move that puck out of their own end and go on offense. So I think the Oiler Brass and Mr. McCullen have said today, they did not have the team prepared. So I think they have to know how to uh, prepare the team. And I think that the uh, room has probably lost confidence. Maybe they may have to look at something else, you know, like. Thank, thanks, Harry. We got to run. Appreciate your call. And uh, Harry's Eskimo comment was he uh, called in earlier in the season I think when the Eskimos were 7-5 and five and said they would only win one more game the rest of the way so uh, he's uh, manning up <laughs> calling in regarding that Oilers lose 8-3 tonight to the St. Louis Blues uh, well yeah poor defensive effort on top of every other area of the game for the Oilers this evening we got John on line 6 hey John uh, good evening fellas 
Yeah, last week I talked to Rob about left wing or right winger, but after watching tonight's game, they're playing like slow, sluggish snails. You can't, <laughs> I don't think you can blame Talbot. I mean, you got no defense in front of you. How are you going to stop? I don't care which goalie you put in. They start uh, shooting 36, 40 shots at you like that, and they're a quick team, and they got lots of snipers. How are you going to win when the other when the Oilers aren't doing nothing? No, you're right. The Oilers were absolutely horrendous defensively tonight. And not when I say defensively, I don't just mean the defensemen. The forwards turning the puck over. The forwards poor on the back pressure. Forwards losing their men in the in the defensive zone. The forward, the defensemen, miscommunicating, losing their man through on three on twos coming coming at them, losing the man three on threes. I it was they could take this video. And they could get enough video clips of things that they did poorly defensively that would last hours. This was the worst defensive play that I've seen by the Oilers in the last number of years that were in one game. It was, I I don't know why, and I know that Todd McClellan said they weren't prepared well enough, but the things that the Oilers were doing, that wasn't something that you needed to be prepared for at the beginning of a hockey game. This is simple stuff that they've done many, many times. I don't know what went through their minds in a lot of these times where they had these brain cramps, but this was a terribly played defensive hockey game by the Edmonton Oilers. 8-3, the Blues take it. We're getting to all your calls as we move along. We do got to take a quick time out here. 8-3. Yes, that's right. 8-3, St. Louis crushing Edmonton tonight. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 9.32. It's an ugly one. We're talking about St. Louis 8, Edmonton 3 on the Advantage Trailer Rentals NHL scoreboard. Just two other games. Vancouver beating Philadelphia 5-2. Dallas knocking off Montreal 3-1. Disappointing first quarters to the seasons in both Edmonton and Montreal. The Oilers' farm team in action tonight, the Bakersfield Condors. It is in the third period, a 1-1 tie against the San Antonio Rampage. Did you ever play against the San Antonio Rampage? Um, I played against San Antonio. They were I can't called if something. There, I thought there was, was it the Barracuda? I don't even remember anymore. I did play against San Antonio. I remember one game. Not we the played. Spurs. You know it wasn't No, it the Spurs. wasn't them. But we had one game, and Rocky Thompson was on their team. And it was the last game of the season. He had zero goals, and they got a five-minute power play. And he, they put him in front of the net for the whole five minutes trying to get him his first goal, and they kept passing him. He could barely move at the end of the five minutes. <laughs> he didn't score. I feel sorry for Rocky on that one. Oilers lose 8-3. Our adjustment of the game for Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Our adjustment of the game for the Oilers is everything. I was wondering where you are going to go with that one. I like it. We might as well do the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Our fourth star of the game is our next caller, Tony. Tony, congratulations. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Well, I was watching tonight's game, and you know what? People are going to hate on us for no matter what because we're losing. But my biggest thing that I've noticed is when it, our defense, like Clefbaum, in the last five, in the last seven games, He's gone more negative than he has gone positive in the in the in everything. As I just looked, 
he's probably gone at least negative seven or eight in the last uh, five to seven games. The only, time, the only ones he didn't were the Vegas win and the one where you're facing in uh, Washington. So I think that, yeah, they're players, but it's time to start sitting some of these players, a.k.a. Maroon. He hasn't produced much this season. Uh, Clefbaum, make him make him see what's going what is going on in front of him because every like tonight's goal the first the first goal to get that uh the first one i think it was he he well he, he got knocked he down in the going. corner yeah he got pushed he over yeah but it's it's to the point where you know where's the cleft bomb from last year the one where he knew exactly where he had to go and you know okay if i had to push up i had to push up i had to come back i had to come back he's not doing that this season and people are going to be blaming Talbot because of what's been happening. But you can't win games on just the goaltender alone. And you can't blame it on McDavid this time because he's only one player. You have 20 players on the team. you got to have everybody contributing. And honestly, most of our players aren't. I'd be changing some of the, line, the, the lineup real drastically because if not, we will keep going down this road. Yeah, well, I, like Rob and I said earlier, I don't know if there are any line combinations that you wouldn't try at this point. Clefbaum is having just a disaster of a season. There, there's there's no doubt about it there. Tony, do you want to finish the play? Yeah, I can do that. I hope so. And you're already the fourth star, and you're the finish the play contestant. What's <laughs> next? We're, we're not, what's next? <laughs> we're going to give you the, all, all the Japanese Village coupons if they ever score five again? <laughs> Hang on, i got to put you on hold. Where you're looking for an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Kellen, go now. In front, Shen. Backdoor, Schwartz. Back in front, Shen can't finish. And now the Oilers bust out, and maybe a shorthanded chance. It's Latestu to Cassian, right circle. Trailer, wrist shot. All right, uh, who was the trailer that took the shot? Was it Russell or Nurse? Uh, Russell. In front, Shen. Backdoor, Schwartz. Back in front, Shen can't finish. And now the Oilers bust out, and maybe a shorthanded chance. It's Latestu to Cassian, right circle. Trailer, wrist shot, save made by Allen on Chris Russell. Good job, Tony. Tony, truly the best Edmonton performer tonight. That's why he was our four-star. And our finish-the-play winner. He did everything for us. He's <laughs> a jack of all trades. Tony, good stuff. And he's one of our uh, regular guys as well. 780-496-0063. I guess I should give a couple stats if uh, anybody's interested. Braden Shen, two goals, two assists. He now has 19 points over the course of an eight-game point streak. Those are Rob Brown-type numbers. Tarasenko <laughs> had two goals and two assists. Schwartz had a goal and two assists. They were the leaders for the Blues. Dreisaitl had a goal and an assist. Nugent Hopkins had two assists. Lucic and Nurse also scored for Edmonton. Chris Russell, oddly enough, wound up plus tonight. I know a lot of people don't care about plus-minus anymore. but um, You do when your team loses 8-3. You're pretty excited when you get a plus beside your name. Well, I don't know if Russell's excited. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, maybe not excited, but I'm sure he feels a lot better than Oscar does at minus four. All right, we got Fred on the line. Fred, thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going, boys? Doing okay. Well, I'm envious of that great D on St. Louis, and I'm going to tell you right now, I could see St. Louis going to the Stanley Cup final. They're big. They got the scoring. They got the goaltending. And you know what? We suffered for so many years, and here we are. My 90-year-old aunt out of Los Angeles phones me and goes, Freddie, how come I always see the Oilers at the bottom of the heap? I don't know how to answer that anymore. It's getting embarrassing, and you know what? 
it's not even December and it's looking very bleak. Rob, give me some optimism here. How are we going to get out of this to get <laughs> ourselves back in the playoff oh my race? God. Oh, yeah. One at a time. But, I mean, here's the thing, Fred. I'm, I mean, I understand you got to think about the playoffs. But I, 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 I'm kind of like, I'm not even worried about the Oilers making the playoffs. I just want them to win a game. Well, that'd be win nice. A game? I mean, they have one winning streak all season long. Two it games. It was two games. I mean, it's... Arizona has a three-game winning streak, do they not? Uh, was it three or two? I think it's three. Is it three now? I think it is three. <laughs> yeah, it is three. Yeah, I mean, oh. that's the only team in the West that Edmonton uh, is ahead of, and Arizona didn't win a game in regulation time for almost, for like, the first month of the season. Well, that makes me feel much better. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the no. Wolves are starting to howl, and they're going to howl a lot louder here pretty quick. If they lose tomorrow night... They got to salvage this road trip somehow because there's no effort out there. They're slow. Well, that's the thing tonight, Fred, and thanks a lot for calling. I mean, they, they were just, you know, Rob and I were using the words earlier, like lost, confused. You can throw in discompobulated. Like they haven't reacted with, I don't even know what the right word is because I'm not, I'm not saying you should react with anger because that can be misdirected as well. Urgency, but they haven't. They they haven't reacted with yeah that that desperation, mm-hmm. that cohesion. I mean, they they just look like they're they want good things to happen, but they're just not happening, and they're kind of wandering around, wondering, wonder, wondering why. And when you start um, getting desperate, you start forcing things, and I think you saw that, especially in the third period, trying to make plays that weren't there, and continually turn the puck over, especially at the the blue line and. Teams pre-scout so well nowadays. They, they know every tendency that every team has. And the Oilers' tendency, they like carrying the puck in. They want to be a team that creates through line rushes and beats guys at the blue line. Team, the, the, the opposition now, whenever they play the Oilers, they're lining up at the blue line. They're like, come on, try. We're, we dare you to dump the puck in. Because if you try to be set the blue line, we're lining up here. We're going to poke it past you. And now we've got odd man breaks going the other way. And I don't know how many times it happened. And I, I mean, I don't want to pick on any certain player because it could Everybody I could name anyone. Yeah. But Jujar Kara, you know, late in the period, the third period, he's trying to go across the blue line. And he, he gets to the blue line. He can't get across there. He starts going east-west because he can't go north-south because someone's there. He doesn't want to drop the puck in. He loses it. Then Nugent Hopkins has puck on his stick. He doesn't dump it, and he loses it. And now here come the St. Louis Blues going back, and right. you're chasing again. And then I think that's why you mentioned, too, um, sometimes, well, how do, you're like, well, that play looked under control, and now it's a 2-1-1. Now it's a breakaway. Now an Oilers defenseman is behind his guy because instead of the puck going forward, and the Oilers thinking off, and we talk all the time about what happens at the blue lines. Mm-hmm. And I do think of all the problems they had and had have had and had tonight, that's and Todd talked about it after the last St. Louis game. Like, why are we playing east-west when sometimes you just need to get the puck? I mean, we're not talking about let's dump it in on a three-on-two when no. David's coming up the ice. But I mean, sometimes just flip it in there, make them come two hundred feet if you well, can. The rules in the National Hockey League allow you to put the puck seven feet behind a defenseman and then skate to it because he's not allowed to impede your progress. Right. So there's where you become a faster hockey club by putting the puck, you're five feet short of the defenseman, you put it in behind him. Now he can't touch you. He's going backwards, you're going forward. You should win the race to that puck. But the, And what's happening with the Oilers is everybody's moving up in the play because the Oilers coaching staff is stressing defensemen get up in the play. So the Oilers are going up in a rush. 
and the guy gets to the blue line, and instead of going north-south, or going north mainly, he turns east or west, and the puck gets knocked off his stick while well, all five players were coming north. Now they're scrambling because now the puck's coming back at them and they're out of positioning and now they're chasing. Everybody is thinking you're doing one thing and if you don't do it, now you're in trouble. And yep. I think that's what happened is the others aren't all on the same page. They're all on different pages. Everyone, okay, this guy's going to do this. Oh, no, he did that. Now I'm chasing. Now I'm in trouble. And it's happening over and over and over again. they got to simplify their game. And they all got to get on the same page. And until they do that, you're yeah, going to find gonna get blown out. You're going to have a lack of success. Eight three, St. Louis wins it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rob on line three. Hey, Rob. Uh, hello. Hey, how Rob. Go ahead. Hello. How are you? Pretty good. I mean, okay. I I like to know. You know it, 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 is Mike Comrie like last like last like draft pick we pick like later in the third like in later round like second, third round that actually made an impact. I'm saying this because the reason, part of the reason why the Oilers can never you think, they can never seem to find someone in the second or third round that can actually make an impact. Like, look at the good, look at St. Louis. Cole Preco, second round. Nikita Kutrov, um, second round. Calgary, John Goudreau, fourth round. Why can't the Oilers find these, find these guys? Well, because uh, that's one of the many reasons they've been, they were a bad team for 10 years, was that they, they didn't draft very well. Is Mike Comrie like the last player we found like in the third round that has like made an impact, though? Well, I mean, uh, Kyle Brodziak tonight playing for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, those guys who have gone on to other teams. Jar- Jared Stoll is a second or third rounder. In third, like, like, uh, like, I don't know, like, look, Calgary, Giordano undrafted. Yeah, in terms of guys that played most of their careers for the Oilers, it's it's been a long time. Uh, like, like, I guess Bronziak was an Oiler for a few years. He was drafted in the seventh round. I don't think the Oilers will never go anywhere, no matter how many trades, until they can find a player in the second, third, fourth, fifth round that can make an impact and can go to all-star games. Well. I, like, I, just know why, I just can't understand why the Oilers can't find that guy. Well, a guy that's going to the all-star game in the fifth round, that means every team in the National Hockey League passed on him four times. So it's not just the Oilers that missed that guy. But they, that's a fair comment. The, I others, mean, the others, they did not do yeah, a mean, good enough job drafting for a number of years. Yeah, yes. why were they bad for so long? That was they one, drafted one poorly, of the reasons. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't draft poorly. They didn't have a lot of depth. So, nope. yeah, I mean, sure. but That's was, not the problem with today. There's many more problems today. 8-3, Blues win. We got Cam on the line. Go ahead, Cam. How's it going, boys? Yeah, good. Right on. Yeah, I, I stay calm. I don't get too fired up, but... Uh, to me, there's just a few things I saw tonight that, that I think, um, you know, there are problematic. One of them, and I, I understand confidence, and I understand, you know, that guys have down nights, but, like, to me, the team, it'll get dismissed as, or it tends to get dismissed as, we just didn't play well, but they just look, they look really sluggish. They look emotionally exhausted. Um, they look physically exhausted. The habit that you expect at this level, um, you know, things like advancing the puck through neutral ice quickly, transitioning, um, it, like they aren't there. There's like entries aren't there. There's times when there's no puck support whatsoever. Like even, you know, you're looking at your defensemen and you like those defensemen in transition supporting. Um, horizontally to, to have be an outlet for, for defensemen. Like, they're not moving their feet. They're standing there. It looks like bad Adam Hawks. 
Like it really, it really, like literally looks like bad out of hockey. The basics aren't there. Same thing on the forecheck. I mean, there's times when we don't even have an F3, and I don't care how aggressive you are, how much you cycle through your forecheck, or how you know if you're passive or what you're doing, running an eye up, whatever. There, there is like literally no rhyme or reason to the pattern rate at all. Like there, there's, there's a forward at one time. Our forward was caught on the wall. Another forward was caught kind of at the dots on the weak side, and the pucks on the strong side. Another time we've got three guys down low, and I appreciate pressing and being aggressive, but there's no pattern rate. And I understand reading and reacting, but there's no pattern rate. So, like, they don't group. They well, no, like, like, like Rob was saying, Cam, like they're they're not on the same page. One no. guy goes off script, and, and then another guy thinks he has to cover or is confused and winds up yeah. halfway in between his his two decisions. I, and like we were talking about, Cam, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on here because we got a lot of guys. I always appreciate you calling, but. Yeah, I mean the the theme here is is that they are looking lost. They either aren't trusting themselves or aren't trusting each other. And I'm not saying that in in that there's like a you know like a dissension sort of way, nope. but there's something in their game where they feel either like, oh my God, I, I got to do this myself because we need a hero, or you know somebody's having a tough night, so I got to bail them out, and then that just just keeps. Instead of helping the confidence and, and the the system play of the group, it just continues to eat away at it. Well, yeah, I mean, last year they got all world goaltending by Talbot that covered up a lot of mistakes, and they're not getting that this year. And I think there's frustration settling in right now with with players because it's not going the way they want it to. And this team is not playing up to their capabilities. I know that maybe the bar was probably set too high for them, but they're certainly not even coming close to the bar they should be. No, this is a this is a playoff team. I didn't believe it was a conference championship team or or a division winning team, but it certainly is a playoff team. So they are certainly underperforming where they should be. All right, we got Will on line six. Hey, Will. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. Um, Eventually, everything changes. And if you think back to the early 80s, the, the mighty Oilers got kicked out in, I think, 81 and 82 and 83, and then they finally got it together. And uh, I think the Oilers probably got to get some better players, and uh, some of these spoiled brats are getting a million dollars a month. They should uh, uh, feel uh, <clears throat> like they got to uh, get up and do a little bit more. A million dollars a month, and they're not even coming out to work. That's that's not right. Anyway, that's all I got to say. All right, thanks, Will. Rocket's on the line as well. Hey, Rocket. Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah. Speaking of spoiled brats, hey, go ahead, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I am one. That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, I'm still an optimist. I always will be when it comes to this team, but uh, as a coach, um, I can tell you that uh, when you're changing lines all the time and you're trying to resolve a losing streak, and uh, sometimes you have to keep the same group together and let them work it out. And I think this year, over the first 20 games we've done too much of let's change it up because we're losing let's change it up because we're losing let's panic let's panic let's panic let's panic when what we should be doing is the exact opposite 
and letting whoever you, whoever you think is going to win you a Stanley Cup, let them ride out that wave for a while. Like, don't don't just shut them down two games later and rotate another guy in. Yeah, but I for the most that. part, though, Rocket, this year that was people were complaining that they were keeping them together too long. The maroon, dry sidle McDavid line stayed... what anybody in Edmonton said. Yeah, but the, the McDavid, dry sidle maroon line, they've been together almost for the whole season. L- Lucic and um, Nugent Hopkins have been together almost the whole... Well, I think they've been together the entire season. Yeah, they changed things. They tonight, just changed right? the winger because they don't have a right winger that could play there. So that's why they switched. They, they tried staying status quo. But it wasn't working. There's a working. line between finding chemistry and letting it roll for a while. I, you know, I say, I, 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 I'm the one. I think that McDavid and Drysaddle should be line mates, and they, they were, and but it wasn't working. And to the point, like I, I've argued I, I, on. I get that. Yeah. I get that. So I mean, this is it was 18 games into the year. Of, it was 18 there's been years. A lot more. There's been a lot more rotation than just Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. There, there's been some on the third, third and fourth line, but I mean, this is a. There was they were having nothing out of those their third and fourth lines. That's why they continue to rotate them. They got well, one goal, one even strength goal or something along that line in their bottom six. I agree that you to need. Me, co- to me, this is becoming more of a coaching thing than it is a player thing. I see. When I disagree on that. I think it, gets, if you watch tonight's game, that wasn't level, coaching. When it gets to this level, Rob, I'm telling you. When when you when you cannot find the chemistry and you've been you've been monkeying with the chemistry for the first twenty games and yep. you still can't find it. Okay, but Rocket, the, the the first line has been together almost exclusively the whole year, has it not? Dry settled McDavid and, and Maroon. Uh, yeah, they okay. have. Okay, yeah. Hopkins and Lucic have been and, together and the entire and whoever been together the whole year, have they not? They have. Okay, so there's your there's your. Hopkins. There's Richard your top. Hopkins has been carrying that. Line. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. He's been carrying it, but he's, they've kept them together. So there's your top two lines. That chemistry has been the same the whole and time. It's surprising to me that Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and Lucic, given how well Nugent Hopkins has played, can't elevate that line. No, I agree. So I, to me, tonight's game wasn't on the coaching. Tonight's game was on the players. I don't care who's coaching that that team tonight. The things that they were doing wrong had nothing to do with systems because anyone that has called in tonight can tell you what went wrong in each goal and tell you where the defenseman or where the forward should have been. So if, if, if all the callers in Edmonton can tell you what should have been done, then those players knows, know what should have been done. So to me, tonight wasn't on coaching. Tonight was on the players, every one of those players. Tonight, that was a, a, a horrific game. And Todd McClellan took the heat for it afterwards and I didn't have them prepared. But if you're playing in the National Hockey League, you prepare yourself. You don't need a coach to come in and tell you, hey, here's what we got to do tonight. Because more or less every system for every team is the exact same. It's who executes better. Tonight, the Edmonton Oilers did not execute at all, and the St. Louis Blues executed perfectly. So there may be, there may be things that you, don't, you like or don't like about the coaching staff, but tonight has nothing to do with the coaching. Tonight, to me, was all on the players, and it was a terrible effort. All right, 8-3, St. Louis ringing up the Oilers tonight. Oilers are 7-12-2 on the season. 7804960063. We got St. Albert John on the phone. Hello. Hello, St. Albert Rob. How are you doing? Doing very well. How are you tonight? Not too bad, sir. I see a team that's fractured. 
broken, divided. And it was interesting how the caller before, a couple callers before, brought up the name Mike Comrie. Why did he leave town? <laughs> it was a little bit of a forced parting, was it not? Uh, I think Something so, yes. Something has to be going on. These players are too good. This team is the same team from spring. Something happened. The mental state has changed. So that's the elephant in the room. Nobody really wants to talk about it or dismiss it right away. I don't know what. But until they come together, it's going to be more of the same. People are just going to go like around a in a hamster wheel trying to you know, analyze the situation that they don't even know about. So that's all I got to say. All right. Well, something's wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's something wrong in the room, but, I mean, clearly something's wrong. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it is between the years. Oh, I agree. I mean, this is a team that over exceeded expectations last year because of, well, but, but but because of the camaraderie. I mean, this was a team that loved playing for each other last year, and we have not seen that effort or that type of game where the where the team has rallied together all season. The type of the type of style that we saw in the games last year. We haven't seen the the Cassian take over a game with his physicality, or the Lucic take over a game with his physicality, or or the the, the players diving in front of shots to make sure that nothing gets through, or doing whatever it well, takes. Well, they're often too far out of position to affect <laughs> the play, even if they did dive. Yeah, true. But all the things like there was a there was a mentality here last year that we will do whatever it takes. It was almost like that, that might have been their motto as they, they went on the ice. Whatever it takes. We have not seen that this year. And because we've not seen that this year, we've got a team that is seven points out of a playoff spot, and they have to jump over six of those te- six other teams to find it. 8-3 St. Louis tonight. Sirius Gord is on the line. Hello, Sirius. How you doing? Yeah, fine. <laughs> Rough night. There's not enough bourbon in the world to wash away the... Well, we saw tonight. I can tell you that. We we can we can try though. I mean, we, we can try. give it a, we can give it a good solid effort. Hey, that's right, Rob. Anytime, buddy. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a run at it. Um, listen, I, I uh, I've been skeptical of this team for a long time. I, I, I take it you play cards, Rob. I do. Um, it's like playing hearts or something like whist, where you've got a really fragile hand, and if everything goes just right, and the right guys don't have the right cards. You got a chance at, at winning, winning the hand, and I think that's what this team looked like at the beginning of the season. That everything, if everything continued to go right, if Clefbaum, you know, continued to mature, if Talbot really was the superstar goalie we thought he was, that we had a really good shot. But there's too many things, too many tricks had to be won a certain way to make it to make it all click, and it, it's just not there. It's just not there. I'm looking at Clefbaum. I, I don't need to, to beat a dead horse. I mean, clearly, <clears throat> you know, he's one of the most pivotal players in this team and he is just he's just emotionally emotionally just destroyed i don't i don't know how i look at how he's watching over his shoulders and he seems to be second guessing everything he's doing um he needs he needs somebody to shore up his uh his game uh to give him a chance to recover and i don't i don't know if that's happening until sakari gets back maybe not even then and then uh, you know just one little thing to, to pick on tonight that, that we don't get to see him play very often that's brosquois and he was awful tonight. He was an absolute rebound machine. Rob, you must have been salivating looking at some of the rebounds. <laughs> You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Well, I do because it was funny when, when it was the game was on, Reed and I were talking off air, you know, Versois is stopping everything, but he's not yeah, swallowing but... anything. 
because they kept coming out, and eventually that's going to come back and haunt you. He was he was kicking back some shots faster than they were coming in. Like he was just teeing them up for people. It could have been a far worse thing. But I think uh, this is the game that when we look back is when the season ended. I think that that uh, I, I'm going to differ with Rob on this. I think there's and the, and certainly the odds are on my side. You want to talk about betting on a on a on a hand. Uh, the hand they're dealt now that they have to play to get to the playoffs now is incredibly difficult, and I yep. don't think they're going to make it. And I think that the season uh, next season begins tomorrow, and any moves that Shirelli uh, uh, makes have to be made in that perspective. Well, this is fun. where I mean, this uh, I mean, you know, you know what it's like, Gord. Mm-hmm. Uh, people generally earn their stripes when things are going poorly. Yep. And this is why Peter Shirelli was hired. I mean, he drafted Connor McDavid. He made some moves that helped the team last year. And now some of those same players are a detriment this year. So he's going to have to decide. Now, unfortunately, some of those guys won't be movable. Um, but he's going to have to decide, you know, who he trusts to get it together and who he thinks it might uh, it might be time to move on because you know I I think there are some areas where um, you know like the I was concerned about the depth scoring on the team and that's been been one of uh, one of the issues but I mean it's going to be hard to tear the team apart and I'm not saying necessarily it needs to be torn apart but uh, I mean this this is where the next nine to twelve months are where Shirelli's really going to prove himself as the GM of the Oilers. And, and I think, he, again, talking about using the card uh, metaphor, he's got a lousy hand to work with. He's got no cap room next year. He's got uh, nothing down in Bakersfield that's worth worth dealing. Uh, I don't envy his, envy, envy his position, and frankly, I know that some people might think otherwise, but I, I think tonight was a loss uh, in large part due to coaching. I think there's a lot of the strategy just they, as soon as the defense, I mean, they were showing it on TV, five guys all plugging up the neutral zone, still trying to skate through three guys. Um, at some point, though, you know, you've got to basically tell the players, look, you either dump it in or I bench you. Right. I didn't see any of that. So, Gord, I got to run, buddy. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Okay. That's serious, serious, Gord. 780 Everybody's getting in. We do do news and weather regularly on this station, though, so we got to do it now. 8 3, the Blues batter the Oilers. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast. Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 10.05. The Edmonton Oilers whip tonight 8-3 by the St. Louis Blues. And they play again tomorrow against Detroit. Okay, Rob, so you've been there. You get crushed. Mm-hmm. You prefer to play again the next day? Yes, you do. You don't want to sit on it very long for a lot of reasons. One, you don't want to go to practice. Practices aren't fun after you play as bad as the Oilers did tonight. Two, you want to make amends. Uh, you want to get out there and before they start making decisions on what players they want to go forward with and ones ones they, they feel that are part of the problem. So you want to go out there and show that you're one of the guys to go forward with. And three, you're, you're frustrated and you're proud and you don't want to be seen as a, a player that's on a team that plays the way that they played tonight. So you want to go give it another shot tomorrow night. So I think when you face adversity, you really find out what kind of players you have. And the Oilers right now are facing adversity. And as Bob said, rock bottom. I don't know if this is rock bottom or not, but this is as bad as they've played. So you're going to see which players respond and how they respond. 
And I think that if you want to be a championship team, you've got to be able to be a team that when they find, when you face adversity, you come out with a positive on the other side. So in the next little while, you're going to see how these players respond and you're going to decide which players you need going forward and which players you don't need. We have Bob on line five. Bob, thank you for calling. How are you guys tonight? Pretty good. A couple of observations here. I, I can't believe how happy we were all last year in the playoffs. All the problems the team had, uh, we were looking for the season. We were all gung-ho, things are just going to be great, and uh, they did. They really, we expected and uh, based the results of the playoffs last year. We saw a lot of bright spots going into this season, but everybody shouldn't push the panic button yet. Uh a few more weeks, you'll be looking, to hopefully, to get a real high draft pick so they can uh, carry on with the rebuild. <laughs> Bob, we appreciate your comedy. Dark comedy. Neil on line three. Hey, Neil. Hey, guys. Question uh, for you tonight. Uh, yeah, maybe you touched on a little bit a couple of callers ago, but uh, I work for a, a large organization, and one of the metrics we use to determine success is employee engagement, cohesiveness, uh, climate, and, and culture in the organization, and that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, I don't expect you guys to, to tell any stories out of school here, but you guys are a lot closer to it than the rest of us. And so, yeah, inside the dressing room, and, and what is the what's the relationship between the players like? What's the relationship between them and the coaches? And, and just the general culture and climate inside that dressing room. Like, yeah, see, uh, Neil, I, I know people ask me that, but you got to appreciate, as much as I go in there and interview players and, and talk to guys, I'm not there when it's just the players. Okay. I'm not there in the moments after a win or a loss or just before they, they go out onto the ice. Um, uh, yeah, I'd just be curious to know, and so I guess uh, I, I don't know. It seems something's changed between last year and this year, so uh, well, something yeah, so, something has, has has changed, but I mean, I, I don't I don't know who socializes. I don't know who who's friends with who. I don't know how many guys go out to eat together uh, on the road, or if guys even care if they're if they're part of a right. big group or not. And and to me, you know, some of that is almost gossip. So I wouldn't I wouldn't get into it anyway. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Appreciate it, Neil. Robert calling. Robert, are you in San Diego? I am calling from San Diego. The last time I called was a few years ago when I was living in Texas, but uh, I needed to be closer to Dallas Eakins, so I moved to San Diego. <laughs> oh, jeez. There you go. That was kind of you. Anyway, um, I was hoping you could maybe just evaluate the biggest trades that we've had over the last couple of years. I, I still see the Taylor Hall trade as really being as much for Lucic as it was um, for Larson, but... <clears throat> It seems to me, and, and, and keep in mind, I get all the away feeds. I barely ever get the Oilers feeds on television here. And the, the refrain that I hear from the media on this side of the border is that the Oilers are no longer a fast-skating team. And the way in which teams prep for the Oilers now is very different than the way that it used to be. So I would say um, gen- generally that's true. They're not, they're not an overly fast team, yes. Well, I mean, we could break down each individual guy, but sure, generally, I think that's true. So if that if that's the case, I think I've heard you talk about before that this team right now was built more as a playoff team, but if they can't get to the playoffs, it's it's somewhat irrelevant. And I'm talking about the, the size of the team maybe being able to get through a longer run in the playoffs than they than they did last year. So, I mean, any any thoughts on any... I, I, 
I, I think the season is pretty much done now from, from my perspective, but any thoughts on any tinkering uh, that can be done as far as player personnel that might uh, get a little bit more quickness back in the lineup between now and Christmas time? Both between now and Christmas time, man. I, I, I mean, the only the only players you're going to get right now are players that other teams are unhappy with too, because the others, I mean, they're not a deep team. They're not a team that you know they got a lot of, you know, players that they can you know we're, we're deep at the wing position, we're deep at defense, we're deep in goal. We can move one of those players because it was going to be all right if if we move that player. They're not that team, so they're not going to move anything of significance. Therefore, you're not going to get anything in significance coming back. Uh, the Oilers are not as, as quick a team as they have been in the past, and it shows when they play teams with speed. St. Louis Blues, they looked uh, incredibly faster than the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Um, the Oilers in their bottom six are not a fast bottom six. They tried making the one move Jokin in for Camilleri, and it, it looked good on paper, yet, I mean, it, it's still early, but we, I, you haven't really noticed Camilleri in the games that he has played, just like we didn't notice Jokin in when he was here either. They, I do, I don't believe the season is over yet. I'm a player. I'm an optimist, and until you tell me that you're mathematically eliminated, you always believe. But the others are now are getting into a position where they're they have to win hockey games. They have to go on a streak, and that's not easy in the National Hockey League. And you're you're talking about a team having to go on a streak that is void of confidence right now so I don't know what to tell you I, I do believe that something will happen I don't think it'll be anything major but I think something will happen as, as a splash or a wake up call or a slap in the face saying you know what status quo isn't good enough but I don't know what it is Alright Oilers lose 8-3 more phone calls in a couple of minutes here is winger Milan Lucic Yeah just two games in a row getting you know dominated by that their first line I'd say one of the top three lines in the league right now, and we don't do a good enough job checking them. And you know they made us pay for it, so another one we have to live with. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's nice to be on a back-to-back after a loss like this, get right back at it. And I mean, you look at the third period; if we don't give up four goals, we might put ourselves in a six-on-five situation with a minute left because of three goals we did score. But you know, we gave up way too many goals, way too many layups, like we did in the first couple of games of the year after that Calgary game. And it's going to be a long year if we uh, don't fix it right now. Were you surprised how they came out in the third period like they did? No, they're a good team, good veteran team. That's what good veteran teams do. Uh, you know, they, they went around last year. They they came to play to, to, to start the year. And, uh, you know, it's... When you're part of a good team and, and, and things are rolling, you know, you play hard for 60 minutes no matter what the score is. All right, Milan Lucic, you did have a goal today for the Oilers, but uh, obviously they were hammered 8-3 by the St. Louis Blues. We'll get to Carson up next on the phone line. It's 10-13, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. All right, it's 10-17 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Earlier tonight, an absolute blowout. The Oilers were beaten thoroughly in every area of hockey. They didn't hockey very well, to paraphrase a Saturday Night Live sketch 
8-3, St. Louis wins it. Carson is on line six. Go ahead, Carson. How's it going tonight, guys? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Hey, uh, I got uh, two things I want to say. First, you know, it's like the the Oilers and the Eskimos. Doesn't it kind of tee a guy off to see so many ex-players doing so well? Jerome Messam, Burnett, you know, all the way back to Stoli and Green Days. Like, it's it's tough to watch uh, ex-players doing so good. Well, Carson, to play devil's advocate there, how, how do you think the BC Lions feel watching Mike Riley? Like, T- well, yeah. There's nine there teams go. in the league. They all move around. Yeah. I think there's a rule. Uh, every CFL uh, player has to play chem- on two teams. At least. Sorry, go on. Hello. Did we lose, Hello. Carson? Are you still there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, as far as the chemistry in the locker room, I don't, I don't know. I'm hearing some things. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if it's rumors. Like, I don't know if it's uh, Tommy Salo all over again. Their problem with uh, some relationships and some black eyes and some hurt, you know, screwed up egos. Is there is there a woman problem going on in the locker room? What do you guys say about that? Yeah, I'll ask first thing when they get home, Carson. We got Drew on line one. Go ahead, Drew. Hi there, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. Um, you know, I just sat here thinking for the last little bit. Uh, last April, I didn't think we'd be back in this position, right? Uh, having the season almost dead and gone by November. But I guess old habits kind of die hard with the Oilers, don't they? But really tonight it's about expectations, right? What do you think is going to happen? What do you bet on? Where do you put your faith? And, you know, the Oilers aren't in this position because of coaching or mostly because of the players not working that hard and not wanting it bad enough. They're in this position because of the bets that were made by the management team. There have been a litany of lost trades, poor signings, the inability to properly assess talent. Um, this really falls on on management at the end of the day. It's kind of a surprise that Peter Trilly failed to learn from his mistakes in Boston. He's doing the exact same things he did a few years ago that got that team in trouble, and they still haven't recovered from it. And it almost feels like a bit of a disservice to most other fans because I'm from a younger generation. I never had the, the privilege of watching Zetsky play in his prime. So McDavid is my once-in-a-lifetime chance to see really good Oilers hockey. And this management group might just be throwing it down the drain. And for us fans that have suffered through a decade of darkness, it's disheartening. And it, it makes things like this feel even worse, knowing that last year might have just been an, an anomaly and that we might not get to feel those feelings for a few more years if this continues. Thanks, Drew. Well, I can't believe you for being frustrated. And like I said, Shirelli's going to have to... Uh, now we'll see. Now yep. we'll really see what he's made of. Brent on line three. Hey, Brent. Hello. Go ahead. Hey, um, I was just kind of wondering, one thing I haven't really heard over the course of the year was uh, about how we haven't been playing any uh, divisional opponents, really, other than Calgary and Vegas. Um, I'm wondering if, being that we're built to come out of our division that way. We're built to play our division. If uh, if Rob's faith that we're going to pull out of this is uh, kind of rotating around the fact that maybe we're going to start winning a bunch of these divisional games and that's going to help us out a bunch because I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for a little hope too. Well, yeah, that's a good point. If you're going to lose games, now this was a Western Conference team, but if you're going to lose games and the Oilers have lost a ton to the East, 
they don't hurt as bad as when you lose to the West because the West are four-point games every time you play them. So the Oilers do have a number of games against the Western Conference, but they cannot be so far out of it that those games don't count. And if they continue to play the way they've been playing and they go over on this road trip, then they're going to find themselves in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, last year they had the best record against the Western Conference. They're now 4-5 and five against the West. So, it, know, not, it, not great. Not good enough. Not great. Jeff on line two. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay, I haven't called you guys for a couple of years, but... Uh because things were headed in the right direction. But I had to call after that Lucic interview because I, I can't believe the caller, two, two guys before me, who's, who just says he remembers the feeling from the playoffs, but he wants to put it all on Torelli. This lineup is, correct me if I'm wrong, is it 85 90% the same lineup that's, yes. that's suited up in the playoffs? Yeah, it's like 16 or 17 guys out of 20, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Depending so on the night. I can't believe a guy's calling in and telling me that Torelli, it falls on Torelli. I mean, I went to the Winnipeg game a few weeks ago. Um, I can tell you that I turned to my friend and said, hey, how come guys are backing off checks in the corner? Oh, well, that's the league now. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're playing for contracts. They're playing for for survival. Then you listen to that interview from Lucic. That's not a guy who's ticked. That's not a guy who's miffed. That's not a guy who's fired up because things are, are really going south. That guy sounds way too loose and way too relaxed for a team that just got beat 8-3. So my, my point is that the fire and the intensity and the will to win has not been there the whole year. That dynamic was there against the San Jose Sharks. That dynamic is not there anymore. The lineup has hardly changed. No, you're and, right. You're absolutely right. And this is what we talked about earlier when I said that this is a team that had last year, whatever it takes, was their motto. And they would do, whether it be block a shot with their face, run someone, fight someone, stand in front of the, the net to block. And they did whatever it took to win games last year, and you don't see that same desperation in their game today. All right, guys, we're short on time. I don't know if everybody's going to get in here. Uh, Paxton, I'll give you about 30 seconds. All right. Hey, Rob, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Paxton? Not too bad. Uh, just a quick comment. I think, uh, like uh, Rob said, anything you do, uh, I don't have much time, but just the love for the game when uh, I want to say when Rob and I when we were playing and growing up we worried about you know winning the NHL winning the cup but who we play with and not who much our contracts were worth or where we'd be playing or what we'd be living in I think we played for the love of the game and I think if you're given a role and you need to do that role if you're a goal scorer you score goals and Rob can attest to this when we like you said executed our plans uh, what the, was laid out to us by the by the coaches, and we all did our roles. We were successful. I don't think the guys have that urgency to, you know. I I fought, but I and I hated it. But I loved the game more than I hated fighting. There was guys on my team that I protected that would I'd like to beat up. Chemistry is some of it, but you got to love the game more than you love anything else to to be successful. I think. Paxton, thanks for calling. And final call tonight, Joanne. You got 40 seconds. Go ahead. Boy, that's. That's a long time. Um, I was just, I've been watching different hockey games the last little while, and what myths me is I don't understand how come um, uh, players from the Oilers go to other teams and they're successful. You kind of see them being successful, and it just um, kind of myths me. I don't understand it. 
Well, I, I know it, it, it's harder to take when the team is is doing bad. But like I said, I mean, New York Rangers fans might have looked at Cam Talbot last year and said, "Well, I wish we could have him when Lundqvist re- retired." So mm-hmm. it it does. I, I know what you mean. I mean, there are ex Oilers having good seasons. And to me, good for them. I mean, they were here, yeah. they did what they did, and good luck on the way. To me, right now, the biggest thing for the Oilers is they got to play with urgency, and they got to play with desperation. Right, and, and like the one caller said, a lot of these guys formed a pretty good team last year. Yep. So they got to figure out how to do it again. Rob, thanks for staying with me, buddy. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you, hopefully, for better times tomorrow night. 3.30 face-off show. Game starts at 5. Oilers at Detroit. Oilers crush tonight, 8-3 in St. Louis. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.